This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The End in Mind. I'm your host, Caitlin, and I'm really excited about today's money talk with Dr. Joe. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Caitlin. Super excited to be here and just, you know, share what I have with your your listeners. Like, I, I love conversations like this and always happy to just share, you know, what I know and hopefully somebody gets something out of it. Oh my gosh. I got so much out of our first conversation, which I was sharing a little bit before we got into today's recording. I know all of the listeners will as well. And you even changed how I was thinking about my own money and, you know, uh, challenged me to look at areas of my finances differently that I wasn't really even, you know, in tune with before. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you work with your clients, how you got into this and some of your background? Yeah. So to start off, kind of to give somebody, people an idea of what I do, um, and I'll get into how I got into it. Cause I mean, my, my background is I spent 20 years in IT and people are like, how'd you go from working on computers to like coaching on money? And I'm like, there's a story here and it, and it unfolds. Um, but really what I call myself is a money EQ specialist, right? And EQ mm-hmm. is the emotional side, right? Of money. And it's really what I focus on. So if you need financing help or like investment help or even budgets, I don't touch much on, right? That, that's what I would call the IQ part of the money finance world. Um, but what I'm really interested in is how does money make you feel and how do you respond to those feelings? And that's really what I like to get into, like the, the thick of it all. Um, you know, and it, it all started like the background part of the story. It all started, I would say probably 2009, Um it was kind of crazy because everybody that I talked to always says, was that because of the housing crisis in 2008? I'm like, <laughs> funny enough, it had nothing to do with that, right? It just was coincidental that like all these things started happening. There were some major life things that happened to my wife and I. Um, and for any of those out there, this will be maybe a small trigger warning for some people, but she was working at a small credit union and she was held up at gunpoint two times in six weeks. And, and from that and some growing up 
stuff, right? There was there was a lot of uh, mental health things and PTSD, and it kind of blew her world apart. And so we needed change. The job I was working at had been there for a long time. It was time for some change as well for myself. So we started saying, hey, what are we going to do? We need we need something different, right? And we kind of entered the world of trauma therapy and all that stuff just for her to help her to say, hey, how can we get like back to a better way of being? So with that, uh, we moved from Utah is where we were living at the time. I found a job in Maryland. And at, it, it took like a month to to kind of solidify the deal. At first, it was going to be like a two-week, like, hey, we got a job, let's go. But in the end, it ended up being really good for us. Got her some really much needed help. Uh, one of the best as a plug for 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 PTSD and some stuff. There's one of the best hospitals in in the United States in Washington D.C. Uh, for PTSD, which really helped her right and her road to recovery. And um, you know, it's been a 15 year journey for us. Um, but in that process, right, I got a I got a job. I got a huge like I'm talking a massive income increase just from moving jobs. What you usually get. Wow. Uh, what I didn't realize was the cost of living from Utah to Maryland was much different, right? There was some naivety there, um, and I and 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 even at that, I thought I knew a lot, but I had just turned thirty that year, you know. So I I still figured out, oh, I know what I'm doing in the world, but I still even now I don't I know half what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that totally. Mm. But the, the the crux of this story was I was making um, I went from making I was making about fifty five thousand dollars a year the job I had in Utah. Moved across the country and um, I was making about 82500 What we didn't ever calculate in was that uh, my wife's income went away, right? So we went from two incomes to a single income and it didn't even like, we were making a little bit more than we made in Utah total, but the cost of living, like I said, was way different. So I worked really hard, got a bunch of raises and within four years, I, I hit, I think 102 or 106. So I had like basically doubled my income in like four years. I was doing really well. I was really good at what I was doing, um, but it kind of hit me because as it went on, because of my wife's mental health and, and healthcare in America, uh, we were had a lot of out-of-pocket costs because a lot of stuff we were doing for her weren't covered, all this stuff, right? So kind of the, the money origin story for me and how I started looking at money. Um, but I remember we went to our, our local church leader and been like, hey, we need some help. Like, I, I can't pay my bills anymore. Right. And I hope yeah. people hear this. Like I was making like over a hundred thousand dollars a year and I couldn't pay all my bills. Yeah. Right? And it this happens. Yeah, it is like, and, and this is the, and this was, this was, I mean, we're talking, this was over 10 years ago, right. It's, it's much worse now. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. You know, and, and things out of, and, and, and a lot of it was like, not nothing we could have um, planned for or anything like that as life happened. Um, and it kind of hit me at that moment. So I continued to work hard and just kind of, it was, you know, looking back at it, I can look at how the story helped me. But at the time it was just like one foot in front of another, right? It was just like, just over and over and over, just trying to take care of things, you know, calling creditors and be like, listen, this is how much money I have for you this month. If you want it, you can have it. But if you're giving me a hard time, I'm gonna give it to somebody else. And I got to that point with some creditors because I'm like, they were giving me a hard time. I'm like, listen, I don't have a lot, right? But that emotional pressure that I was feeling because in my mind still, when I made a hundred, when I hit that six figure kind of promised land, that six figure mark, you should be like living life large, right? That's, that's yeah. the mentality I grew up with. Right. And it's kind of, if I really look at for myself, like this mentality that, that, that pulled over from the eighties and nineties, right. In my growing up years, uh, but I yeah. figured I should have made it. Uh, unfortunately, my family thought I should make it too. And they were like, my parents weren't all that supportive at the time either, you know, because I was making all this money and and, and all these things were happening and, and context is important for people. 
Um, but as I went through and figured it all out and we made it through, thankfully we're still alive and we've had pretty successful years since then. Um, I look back at that and that's really kind of the origin story for how I see money and how I started to interact with money. Right. I started gaining a different, it was, money was no longer an object to me. I kind of figured out haphazardly through this process that money was more relationship than anything else and how I perceived what money was in my life changed a lot during that whole time. Like it was very transformational for me. Um, you know, when I really look back at it and, and look at the whole story, um, you know, unfortunately it, it took a, a pretty traumatic experience for this to happen. And for most people, that's usually where we find like the gold, right. Is when something bad happens, we got to kind of double down and really figure things out that grow a lot. And then, and so that's kind of where my whole framework came from of how, what I teach my clients and what, what I look back at, uh, understanding my own trauma from childhood. Um, and things that I'd had a pretty good childhood, right. But I'm still going to say my own trauma because we all experience trauma of some sort and how that played out for the rest of my life. And so that's kind of where it came from, uh, which was really cool. And, you know, now I have a much better relationship with money and that's really what I teach people. Like, how can you take these things that have happened to your life? How can you take that, that relationship and how can you make it really strong and powerful so that you're not questioning it as you're trying to build your business or as you're trying to increase, you know, get a raise at work. If you're into sales or, or even investing, right. How do you not get triggered by what's happening, you know, in those different areas? Um, because we can get triggered a lot because we're not paying attention to those emotions that are coming up around money. We just think, Oh, yeah. it's just, I need the money to pay the bill. I got money to pay the bill so now I can pay the bill. Right. We live so transactionally that we, we forget about the emotional side of, of what's happening through this process. So wow. that's a lot to say. It's really this really cool world of how humans work and really what uh, this resource that we call money really triggers us in different ways. And, uh, you know, nobody's the same, but it all comes down to, you know, a few points in our past that are really similar to everybody else. So it's fun to kind of dive into it and see, you know, what people are doing and, and how we can kind of tweak that so they can live not only a better life, but also uh, I always say money is the byproduct of the work I do. It's not necessarily the, the core of the work that we do, but, you know, all my clients live better lives now and they're happy that they went through sometimes the, I won't say painful work, but the very deep work that you have to go through to kind of figure out some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I can imagine there, a lot of them are probably nervous, you know, when they begin this journey with you, like even from a mental health standpoint, I was nervous, you know, I'm like, what does this look like? And who am I going to be at the end of this? And everybody says like, when you get into therapy, everything changes, like your whole perspective, that's kind of scary, you know, to say to somebody, especially depending on how old they are and what age they're at and how much they've experienced in life. I can see why people would back away. So do you ever experience clients that are really fearful, you know? Oh, most of them, most of them. Like if, if I have had to look at my sales process, um, I generally don't get clients right away when I meet them because they're all kind of warring with this, this inner monologue of, Oh, it could be really bad because we have, and, and everybody has a money story, right? Whatever that is, they're not too hard to find. Uh, but what happens is we've kind of turned our money stories into fish stories, right? Meaning that it's not really that impactful what happened in the beginning, but because it becomes part of that unknown you were just talking about, that it grows and grows and grows over time, right? So now it becomes this huge thing that we're like, oh, that's too scary to look at. So we're just going to forget about it and keep doing what we have been doing because logically in our brains, we say, hey, what I have been doing has kept me alive. I'm yeah. decently successful, 
right? People are going to measure success in lots of different ways. So I don't want to say you're either successful or not. I mean, it's your definition, but looking at that, they're like, okay, I'm decently successful. I'm alive. I can pay my bills maybe-ish. I maybe want to do some more bigger ambitious things, but I might not have the cash flow to do it. So I'll just not do that. And they live in this, com- you know, you live in kind of that comfort zone. So if we start stirring up the past, that comfort zone starts to kind of freak out a little bit because they're like, we're not sure what we're going to find. And we're not sure if we like it. And it might be more work than we want to do. Right. So there's all these things happening in our brain, this monologue of like, and so most of the time, what do we do? We just don't do anything. Right. And I liken a lot to uh, kind of working out, right. And, and exercising your body because we can build ourselves up to like not wanting to work out. Right. And so it's kind totally. of, it's, it's along those same lines. So uh, my methodology is always just simple steps that provide massive results uh, because we don't need tons of like hours of, of journaling or tons of hours of, of even talking about it. Right. And I'm clear for anybody out there. I'm a coach consultant. I'm not a therapist, but a lot of people think, oh, there's all this, this massive amount of work that goes through it. And I'm like, not really. Right. It, it, it's just simple steps that if you take and are consistent with them, then you start to see really good results on the other end and it, and it's less painful. Right. But yeah, that's scary part of the unknown is, is always something that I combat with when I'm talking to people. Cause I'm like, it's really not the scary because there's just a process we got to take you through. And like one sales call is definitely not the time to walk you through that process, right? There's some reflection and stuff like that that happens, but yeah, it's, it's always fun to have the the kind of beginning conversations with people as they, as they talk to me and, and a bit of panic sometimes on some of their faces. I'm sure, you know, cause it is like, Oh, like the way I think about it, like I'm Italian, Irish. So we were always, you know, like you don't tell anybody outside the family. Like it's like Godfather-esque, you know, like <laughs> you do not talk about that. And like my mom, it's so funny. Even now she'll still make comments like indirectly because it's just her story. You know, it's now so been so stuck with her for so long. She doesn't want to change it. I'm out here trailblazing, trying to get the story, you know, out of the ancestral lineage. And it can feel like a lot of pressure, you know, it's like, this is my job, I can do this, but it's scary, you know, and that's kind of what holds me back at times as well. It's it's like this paralysis of what's coming next and how to navigate that. I see that with my clients a lot as well. And I find it's just sometimes time, you know, and like how you said the small steps, the patience and giving yourself the space to even discover what some of this is, because it's been so programmed. It's hard to even know that it's a belief anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah, We just see it as truth. Like this is what happened. And the crazy part about like most of our money stuff is we learn it as children, small children. And if you look at, you know, read the brain studies about small children, how their brains develop. um, A lot of them are like... uh, there's parts of the brain that don't develop until like age seven, eight around there. And so before that, they're just sponges. And you, and if you look at it, even outside the science, you just say, Hey, listen, a five-year-old, this is the first time he's probably, or she is experiencing this thing. And so how do we learn as humans? Like we experience it. And it was like, Oh, that's just the way we do it. Right. That's why children think their parents know everything because they're like, I don't know anything as a kid. And so they're smart. They're older. They must know. And so they tell them, and then that's how we go about, right? So a lot of the the programming we have around this. And so it does become the truth. It's just, that's the way it is, you know? And I always tell my clients, the one thing to combat that, as I always talk to everybody too, is just stay curious, right? If we can stay curious and not set in our ways, then we can start questioning ourselves and be like, this is how I do it. Could there be a different way? 
right? Wow. And notice I didn't say, is there a better way? Because the better, best, whatever, that's not, that's not even relevant, right? But is there a different way? And maybe I like this different way because it's more unique to me, more part of me versus something that somebody gave me, right? Now we can be, it goes into a whole piece of like authenticity and, you know, now you can be more you and show up in the world the way you want to show up instead of like following the rules of kind of really how you've been set up by other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Cause like, I'm all about challenging society as you know. So that's so fun. and <laughs> like so exciting for me, but I love how you said the curiosity. It was bringing up like a Ted Lasso quote where he says like, stay curious, not judgmental. And, um, that's kind of what I hear coming from you. And it's that curiosity can continue to show you drive as well. Like how you said, not labeling something bad or good. That was really important for me in my mindset work because it's always been bad or good, never gray area. I made a few posts about this, like maybe two or three years ago now. And um, I just said, you know, life is gray area. Like it's okay to just say that, you know, you don't have to like label everything that you see, but that was really mind boggling for me at the time. And I know so many people think of money as bad, you know, so how do you help them kind of pull that apart? It's really just giving them a different perspective. And that's one thing I have clients who've worked with me for years now. Um, And I ask them every once in a while, like, why do you still work with me? Like, why why are you still around? Like, you're doing really well. And I have one, he's like, because you challenge my perspective every day. Wow. Right. Every time we show up, I'm always challenging the perspective and he gets great value out of that. Um, and that's really what I do. I, I step into people's lives and as open as they want to be, right. They can share with me, you know, what's going on. And I just ask probing questions. And I I think that's one of my superpowers is asking really good questions and being curious about like why they're saying what they're saying. And then, like I say, challenging that and being like, that's one way to think about it. Now let's look at some of these other ways to think about it. Um, and I think that's a knack that I've always had. Like I said, I came from the IT industry as my career. I was really good at computers. Um, I started, you know, I had my first business I ever had was a computer building business when I was 16. Oh, wow. Um, You know, so I was in that world, but a lot of it was, I was always curious, like, especially in the operations world of of companies, it's where I always worked. Um, When something would break, you know, they always want to know what the root cause analysis is, right? What's the reason why this thing broke? Why didn't it, you know, I always found those tasks challenging because I'm like, I always wanted to know too, like, why all of a sudden did this thing just stop working? And so if we bring this to human beings and psychology, it's like, why are we the way we are, right? Can we not do something? And part of this goes back to when I started my personal development journey as well. Um, I really started back in like 2016, 2017 is when I like kind of really got into it. Uh, before then, I was just kind of happy doing my thing, you know, and my wife was like, I guess this is life. And, we, you know, it was, it was a whole, it's a whole thing. If you talk to her, she's like, that was really the pinnacle moment of, of our marriage. But if I look at that, I start asking myself, Hey, I feel like I have this message I want to share. And it's different than when I first started, right? When I first started, I wanted to do something completely different. I'm doing now, but I noticed this mentor I had, and he spoke from stages a lot and shared his message and done all this stuff. And, and he was phenomenal. And I'm like, well, if he can do it, why can't I do it? People scare me. Like, this is where I, I, I literally was. If you know me back then, like people don't recognize me. Right. It's like people really, scared yeah. me. I'd never speak in front of, of people. I'd only stick to like what I was good at and nothing more. But I started challenging myself. I'm like, if he can speak and share his message, why can't I? Like yeah. really, why not? Like what, what experience or what trauma have I lived through that's told me that I can't do that? Yeah. 
and it, and it sounds like, as I say it now, it sounds like a very privileged thing to say, right? As a, and I'll put that as a white man in America, it sounds like a very privileged thing to say. And there's some other sp- things I speak on that I'm not talking about today that we can go down that rabbit hole. But I look at that myself and I'm like, why can't I, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And that was always my mentality. So I started asking myself questions. Um, and it took me to some dark places of my past that I had totally forgotten about. Um, you know, and one, I look back at today and I'm like, wow. Uh, so one memory that came up that I had completely forgotten about was when I was nine, like up until this point, even when I started my personal development, I like could, I had memories up until where I was like 11 or 12, but before that was just like nothing. And again, okay. I lived, a, I lived a pretty good life growing up. But, you know, we all experience trauma. And that's where I always go take the money stuff. Like, why do we think this way? What's happened in our past? What, what's, what's caused us to kind of shut this stuff out? Um, so I started digging through and, and I love kind of pondering or meditating in the shower. It's with the running water it kind of like helps zone everything else out. And I can just sit in there and, and think, right? So that's kind of my thinking place. So I'm sitting there one day and I'm like, why? Why can't I? Like, what prevents me from, from, from doing this? It scares me. I'm like, what prevents me? Like, yeah, being scared and, and that stuff is one thing, but what is it preventing? Like, what's stopping the action from happening? And so then I got this memory, right? The nine years old, I remember just being like super angry and crying. And, and as it came back to me, and then I remembered. And when I remember this memory, I'm like, oh, I remember this one now. But I was walking from our house. We live kind of next door to my grandmother. And there was a busy, kind of a busy street for where we grew up. We grew up in this small town in Utah. Um, but I remember walking along the sidewalk. I remember being so upset that I'm like, you know what? If I just stepped out in front of this car that's coming, like nobody would miss me. Yeah, and wow. as and as an adult, right? I'm like, holy cow, what nine-year-old like thinks about suicide? Like if there's not something else like really wrong, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, what like I'm like, what what would it cause? It's like a nine-year-old, that's not normal thought patterns for a nine-year-old, right? Um, so I processed that. Oh, I had a therapist work through some things on that. But then I kept asking myself why, because it bothered me that I had felt that way. Right. So I'm like, what, what would have caused that? Um, So then, you know, I go back and keep processing. And the cool thing is, as I've done more work, I get more memories and I, and I found some root cause things for myself, right. Around not being loved as a child or not feeling like I was loved as a child. I should clarify. Right. I know I was loved from my family, my parents, but not feeling there was this one event where I was four years old, Um, went to preschool. And I peed my pants and I had to get changed. And I just remember like this friend of my mom brought me home and handed, I just, in my memory, I remember seeing like, you know, her handing my mom this like plastic bag, like a grocery bag, right. Uh, full of wet clothes. Yeah. And, you know, my mom just this sigh of like, not a, you know, it's, I perceived it as a four-year-old is like, oh, I did something really wrong. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But if I go back as an adult, I'm like, okay, so let's put this in context now. Right. And this is the thing I want to really drive home, especially when it comes to money. Us as children, we don't understand the full context of what's going on. Right. So we, we, we carry this trauma and these beliefs with us our entire lives. But for me in this moment, if you step back with my adult eyes now and say, Hey, look, what was actually going on? What's the full context? What's the big picture? Right. Well, when you look at it, my family, I was one of five children. I was the middle child, oh, yeah. right? So all the middle child stereotypes, people use them on me, right? And my oldest sister is like six years older than me, and my older brother's three years, and then me, right? So there's a nice pace of three years. And then my younger brother yeah. is two years younger than me, and my younger sister is 18 months younger than him. So if wow. I think back about this date, right? And looking at it, I'm like, my perception of this event was completely wrong. My mom was yeah. probably just frustrated that this was one more thing because, you know, 
I was four because it's preschool. So I wasn't, I was maybe almost five, but I was probably four. My younger brother's two and my younger sister is like just born. Not to mention, this is my mom. We live next to, to her mother-in-law, right? Because my grandpa had died three years earlier. So there's all this stuff, right? So when you, again, when I look at the context of it, I'm like, okay, this makes total sense. She wasn't upset that this event happened. She was just a young mom with lots of kids and lots going on, right? Yeah. She's like, add it to the list, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so I look back at that and I look at like just different things that happened in our past, but that one moment at four years old, right? Solidified how I decided I was going to do things in the world for years to come. Right. Yeah. And, and what I determined when I look back at it was if I'm not good at it, I'm not going to do it. Wow. Yeah. And I look back at my whole life and I'm like, up until like, I was like 35 when I figured this out and I'm like, that's a long time to go to like, not try new things, even if I'm going to get them wrong. Right. And 100%. even more than that, just be, yeah. Right. And just be paralyzed in that fear of if I mess up, uh, it's going to be bad. Right. So yeah. as I process this and got rid of it, I'm, it's really helped not only with my own self, Right. And be able to do the things. But then as I can tie it back to money to say, hey, how have our money stories done something similar? Right. How they impacted how we interact with this thing that we can't get away from. Right. Because right. people have monthly bills. Some people have budgets, some people don't. Right. But we got to pay bills. We got to pay mortgages, rent. We got to buy food, like all these things. So the numbers are always in our face in a way that we can't get, we can't get rid of it. Yeah. You know? So that much pressure over and over and over and over, right? It causes lots of different reactions in people. Um, you know, some people just tend to forget about it. Some people stress about it all the time. And some people work really hard and go take care of it. Like there's just all these different responses. Uh, but my goal is always to, hey, can we figure out what the emotions are around it? And let's take care of those because as we do that, it alleviates the pressure around is the money there or is it not that survival kind of mindset that we, we kind of kick into. Wow. This is so interesting because I love how you shared this example of it doesn't really have anything to do with money, you know, but it's impacted what you wanted to do with your life and maybe the money that indirectly could have come, you know, yeah. from maybe some of those activities. And it's like hindsight's 2020, but now you have this and you can move forward without this. It's so freeing, you know, yeah. like I think a lot of people don't talk about on the other side of the coin of healing, even though the unknown is so scary, when you get to the bottom of it, for us intuitives, it's like, finally, you know, like (laughs) I found the root cause. Now I can move on with my life, you know, and there's like this sense of relief as well that came for me many times, but I can really see how these early on memories And as you go through your healing, it's like, that does have to do with money. You know, like I'm a holistic type of person. So I believe everything affects everything. You know, it's all intertwined on some level, which it seems like you have some of that standpoint as well. It's like, that could be affecting your money story. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 I'm the same way, like holistic, like let's look at the whole picture and say, what are these things that are coming into it? Right. Because I mean, a little teaser for other things, right? I, uh, the funny thing is I don't talk about money much in my coaching because it is related to so many other things. But when we look at, when we look at the holistic part of the, of the world, money is one of five resources I talk about, right? So I have a whole framework called merit. I always talk about how does your money, your energy or your relationships, your ideas and your time are all intertwined. And you can really take your, 
your stories about those. And if you interchange any of those words, it's going to most likely be the same for the other resource, right? So as we start solving for one resource, then we actually start solving for more of the resources in our lives. And we can start to balance our life a lot more, right? So all of a sudden my clients start having more energy. They can do more. They feel like their calendars are opening up. They have more time to accomplish what they want. Their relationships are building and, and getting a lot better. Uh, they have all kinds of crazy ideas they want to go implement, right? I, I focus on the money because it's the quickest thing in which we can see a result. Because especially for a lot of entrepreneurs I work with, like, you know, like, did you make your sales goal this month or did you not? Or even like salespeople, right? It's like, did you make this goal or not? Okay, why not? Now we can dig into it. We have a quick turnaround because some of the other things is like, you know, do you feel like your relationships are better? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yes. No. Maybe this was had a hard conversation with somebody and it doesn't feel like I'm making progress. Right. So I look at that and money be, is the easiest of those levers to move, but you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're not simple creatures. We're very complex creatures as humans. We can, you know, implement simple systems to help, you know, move us forward and, and, and uh, solve for some of this. But if we look at the holistic picture, like you were saying, then we can start to get more of it. We can find the answer a lot quicker than if we just kind of, you know, pinpoint one thing. Oh, you know, it's kind of like going to the doctor. Oh, my shoulder hurts. Yeah, I had a shoulder problem at one point in time and I thought it was something completely different. And I went to a specialist finally. He's like, oh no, like these muscle groups over here are pulling it funny. So that's why it's actually being pulled out of place. So we'll actually work on releasing those. And so then everything will fall back in place. I'm like, cool. That's better than what the one doctor told me. Cause he's like, I don't know, just do these exercises and you'll feel better. After three months of doing exercises, it still felt bad. You know, so it's like looking at the bigger picture to say, hey, how does all this fit together? And if we can move one of the levers, how can we move the other levers so we can get to the result faster and not take as long? It's such a beautiful way of coaching as well, because honestly, like with our line of work, and I feel like a lot of our listeners will resonate with this too, if you're a coach, it isn't just one area. You know, like when you can kind of see in your clients, like, hey, this thing is really bringing them a lot of anxiety. It can just be that one thing or it's connected to so many other things that are like behind the scenes that we might not even know about, which I think is so unique about how you help your clients. It's like, hey, we can look at this emotion, but it's going to unlock all of these other areas of your life, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because your relationships with your clients change too, you know, like your relationship with your business changes and it just spills over, I'm sure, into so many other areas. Like even my experience with doing some money work, which I know that there's, you know, a lot more that I will be doing, but it's unlocked so much. Like I'm not afraid anymore to have my business because I confidently know that I will be able to support myself. And even if, you know, I don't make the sales goal, it's like, I'm so good. You know, I still feel solid in that. And I don't know if your clients to say things to you like that, or if they're kind of having this like different energetic exchange and they're able to level up with the money. Like what's your perspective on that side of things? Yeah. Some of them don't hit their goals. And I'm like, that's cool. Let's figure out why. Right. I mean, there's a lot of value into I think goal setting overall, like when you look at it from like a, a, a personal development perspective, um, not hitting your goal is just sometimes as, and I think, exploratory as as hitting your goal. Sometimes I think when we yeah. hit our goals, we're like, yeah, and we never go back and say, hey, what did I do right? Or what did I do to hit this? Or it's like, yeah, I hit that. Cool. Um, but yeah, like not hitting goals or I even have some clients, oh, bless their hearts. It's 
it's it's hard some days to, when I want to celebrate them. They're not happy about it. Because I had one client one time. She had a $50,000 a month. It was the first one she ever had. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like celebrating on the call. And she's like, and I'm like, but you're not happy about this, right? I could tell, like looking at her on Zoom. I'm like, I could tell she wasn't happy. And she's like, yeah, I'm not happy about this. I'm like, oh, okay, why not? Like, what's going on here, right? Because a lot of people will be like, I'd love to have a $50,000 a month. That means like, you know, all this cool stuff. And she just looked at me and she said, it's not the way I wanted it to come in. Wow. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about that, right? So sometimes even hitting our goals, we can say, okay, for her business, she had some some things that weren't mainstream. Some some friends had asked her to do some other work that um, she got paid very well for, but it's not what the core of her business was. It's not what she wanted to do. So she's like, I don't want to build that, right? So part of her frustration was, yeah, it was this cool month, but I'm not going to hit it again because I'm not going to do that type of work, right? Wow. Yeah. So okay. the, the results always, and that's why I like the results of money because it always tells us a good story of, hey, you know, if you didn't even hit your sales goals, well, why not? Like, did you have a bad month? Did some things happen that you didn't think about? Did some emotions come up that, you know, you weren't ready for? Um, we're also really good about solving for gaps in our lives, right? That's how we've been taught. So we're always fighting that goal. We're like, oh, if it comes in short, like, okay, how do I, how do I like fill this one thing? Or if we got to pay bills, it's like, okay, I got to pay these bills. And and how am I going to make money to go pay the bills, right? We're, we're really good at that. Um, on the flip side, where I start pushing my clients is, okay, cool. Let's play in the world of you You hit your goal and you exceeded it. What are you going to do with the extra money? Yeah. And a lot of them can't answer. Like they, they just, they don't know because we haven't been trained to live in a world of that kind of abundance to say, hey, when I, when I surpass that, what's my plan? We tend to freak out a little bit. And then we have different emotions that come up to say, you know, we, and then we pretty soon don't know what to do with that money. And so sometimes we don't do anything with it where we spend on something that we wish we hadn't have, right? To bring ourselves back. So there's, there's lots of different, when it, especially when it comes to goals and how much we make, there's lots of different emotions from both sides of that spectrum that people deal with. And it's just understanding why we're dealing with that. And so we can resolve it so it doesn't keep happening, right? Because if it keeps happening, then we end up in a place of shame and guilt with ourselves. Sometimes that fear, like you were talking about, um, you know, there's all these emotions that come up that we don't want to deal with. So we're going to avoid that situation. So if we can just solve the situation, then, you know, we can continue to push that, that limit to say, okay, where's the next limit of where we're going to start having problems again. So that's always fun to do as well, right? We solve this one. Okay. Now let's push it and see where we can hit the next one because it starts to unlock different levels for us, right? We can see where we came from, where we're going and, and start to kind of self-diagnose ourselves. So it's, it's a lot of fun um, with that kind of style you know, to help my clients that way. Yeah, that's so great. Cause it kind of takes the emotion out of like, there is no shame, you know, it's like, okay, we didn't hit it. What's the big deal? You yeah. know, like everything's fine. And I think that that in itself is such a helpful ship for entrepreneurs overall, because then they're not putting this pressure and they're not selling from scarcity, which is going to impact their income, which is really what you're helping them, I'm sure, discover, you know, like for me, if I'm selling out of scarcity, if I'm trying to make that goal, like everybody can feel it right away. You know, yeah, 100%, 100%, right? And I've been on sales calls with people. I've even done it sometimes too in early coaching. And people feel that, you know, yeah. and, and one word of advice I always give everybody, I'm like, don't chase the money. Like yeah. really don't chase it. Cause as soon as we start chasing it, we're doing it from a place of emotion and we're going to agree to things we don't want. I mean, I don't know. And in, in, you, in your career with what you do, you know, how many times have you agreed to like maybe a, a deal that you wouldn't have normally. And then later you um, are really grumpy about fulfilling it, right. You're going to hold to your word. 
Yeah, I, I did that. I had a few tech clients in the very beginning when I left corporate um, and I agreed to some stuff. I'm like, man, why did I agree to this? Like, I'm not happy about it. It's just not smart. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy more than time. Like I had the time, but it's a lot of energy putting into this. And I'm just not finding satisfaction out of it. Um, yeah. Had some corporate jobs that way too, where I'm like, I took it because it was going to be, you know, so-called easy money and I could do it in my sleep, but the environment was really bad. You know, so we look at these things. We're like, oh, hey, I'm getting paid. Yeah, but are you having, do you find joy in what you're doing? Are you happy? Because we can have both. We don't got to sacrifice one for the other. We just have to be smarter about, you know, saying no to some of those chasing money activities and be really focused on what we're looking for and what we really want to do. And as, as we can get more focused, uh, we'll find those clients, especially in the entrepreneurial world who we can work with um, or in the corporate world, right? You'll find that job that really resonates with you, a place where you can thrive and and, and really be the authentic person that you are. Wow. That's so beautiful to hear you explain it like that, because for me, it's like, I know that I'm making the mistake around the scarcity. Like I know that I'm chasing the money. And then when I repel it, it's like, like how you said, the guilt, the shame, that pattern comes back and you're like, I didn't meet the goal. And now I have to figure out what I'm doing next. And it almost holds you back more. Like I, you know, I've been in a place where I've hired clients or clients have hired me to the point where I want to shut my business down. You know, like <laughs> there is no yep. point of getting up, you know, like there's yep. no hope. Fold the business. I'm getting the job. I'm done, you know. And I think so many entrepreneurs go to that place and then they think like, it's kind of like the woe is me attitude, like the victim mindset, which we go back to just natively, you know, like that's a cultural thing, but we have to remind ourselves like we created this, you know, like we are opting into this experience as much as they are, you know, yeah. so it's transactional and you can say no. Um, even this morning, like somebody emailed me and I could tell there was some beliefs in the email about social media management. And immediately I was like, oh, this is a blessing. You know, like we're not supposed to work together. She's not ready for this. And that's okay. And I don't even care about the money. Like it just no. changes everything in that moment. Oh, yeah, 100%, right? You find clients who you're more happy to work with. Um, I have a client that I questioned whether I should take them on. You know, there's yeah. that thing, but I like, I'm not as much as intuitive as other people, like really feeling into stuff, but I'm like, I had this like gut feeling that I'm like, it's going to work out. But yeah. I'm like, I had that, that's that voice in my head is like, um, it should you just based on the demographic um, and all these things, like not my traditional client, but I'm like, okay, I'll do it. One of the best clients I've ever had, like for reals, like gets in. And, and all I ever ask is like, you're, you're open and honest with me. You just get in and do the work and you, you just do your thing. Right. Um, yeah. super coachable, really fun. Uh, I love mm -hmm. the, I love the appointments, you know, it's not one of those you dread. So it's like just paying attention, you know, really to say, Hey, is this a good fit for me? But again, like I say, don't chase the money. Cause you're going to regret it every time. And then, you know, like you, like you said, like it, it turns into be a blessing when you can find joy and you can pick those things out. So money's yeah. not the first priority. Are they going to pay me? How much are they going to pay me? Like those should never be the first questions you ask. It's like, hey, can I see myself having a lasting relationship with this person? See, it's still going to affect the money, but we can start looking at the other resources because of this perfect example, right? Am I going to have a lasting relationship? How much time or energy are they going to take from me, right? If we start looking at this holistic approach to it, then we can start looking at the other resources in our life to say, hey, are is there going to, will there be a drain on those resources and not just the money, 
right? And and so it, cha- it shifts our brain 100%. So we start making better des- decisions as, employ- as employees, as entrepreneurs, uh, as even employers, right? For people we want to hire. And again, back to, we find more joy in what we're doing and we're happy. It doesn't feel like work anymore. Yeah. And that's why a lot of us got into this, you know, like, 100%. I think there's somewhere, you know, like in that marketing and that scarcity marketing out there in the world where we start to believe, oh yeah, I got in this for money, you know, and I'm like thinking yep. about it. I'm like, no, I didn't. I got into this when I was 22 and I didn't have two pennies to rub together. You know, I didn't care about the money. I just cared about helping people. Like that's all I cared about. If I made some cash, that would be great, you know? And like, then I quit <laughs> my job. It's like so funny how you get stuck in the belief or the people that are telling you the beliefs and they're not really yours. You know, how you mentioned yeah. in the beginning, it's like, is that even mine? Or what did a coach just tell me that I need to be revenue driven? You know, like yeah, which all is, these questions. I don't know. I, I fight with a lot of business coaches because I'm like, you, your people could be having more success. And, I, and I've told a couple of that and they don't like me very much. I have some friends who are business coaches and they just, they actually work with me, which is nice because they see it. And so now that's starting to go to their clients and some clients they have, they're like, this is too much lift for me as a business coach. He's like, you got to go talk to Joe. So I've got some clients from them that way because they're like, I don't want to deal with that. I see the I see the problem, but that's not my expertise. So we'll, we'll yeah. ship you over there. And then when you're ready, you come back, right? And the conversations are a lot easier. Because right? we get the stuff out of the way, we it, it's just it prevents us from so many different things. You know, like you're saying, like when you started your business, I started my business much later in my life, right? I was in my late 30s. I had a really good job. I was making 135000 a year at a really yeah. good job I was really good at, you know, but it wasn't, again, I wasn't happy. I worked in an environment that wasn't awesome um, yeah. and I wasn't helping people. Right. And that's really what I'd struggled for years and years about that, about like, I want to make an impact on the world and working for other people in these industries I was working in was not doing that. Right. So I'd yeah. look for like nonprofits from time to time and things like that, that I could work in. But I don't know, through my story, I started, as I started looking and I'm like, what can I do as far as my business? And like I say, this is like the third iteration of what my business looked like many years ago. Um, but money's where I stuck and it's, it's really fun. Um, sometimes I talk people's ears off about money. Cause I'm just like, so excited about it. I'm like, Oh, did you know all these things? So I got to temper myself sometimes, but it's just, it's fun to watch and help people and, and see the result, uh, not only see their financial life inc- improve, but see their personal lives improve their relationships with yeah. their, their partners and spouses and, and even their families and all this stuff. So it's very re- rewarding, you know, just watching it from afar and just seeing how their lives change. And, and like I say, just a short amount of time. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Like, and I just want to reiterate this for the listeners. Like this is possible for you. Like, please get in touch with Dr. Joe. You don't have to move forward in life miserable, you know? And that's really what Meraki is about. Like finding your purpose, finding freedom within yourself. And then you can unlock it in other parts of the world. Like how Dr. Joe's describing, you know, you might start out in tech, but then you end up really impacting people's lives directly. Like what an amazing arc of your story and how you wound up where you are. And I know you say you're not as intuitive as maybe your wife, but I think there's a lot of intuition and what you shared with us today. And I know I'm walking away with a lot of knowledge. So can you tell our listeners how to get in touch with you and, you know, if they want to work with you as well, how they can go about doing so? Yeah, the the best way to get a hold of me, um, you can go to my website. It's josephmburns.com. You can also find me LinkedIn. If you look for Dr. Joe Burns, you'll find me there. 
the other platform I I'm on the other ones, but I don't use them much. Uh, TikTok would be the last one. I started using TikTok again, or, or not again, but um, a few weeks ago. I guess it's been about a month. Um, I like that one because I like to talk. So nice. you can find me on TikTok, and it's Dr. Joe Burns. So it's just at Dr. Joe Burns on TikTok. All the content's out there. So and if you want to get a hold of me, you can DM me on any of those platforms, or there's a uh, email address you can contact me on my website. Fantastic. Yeah. And we'll have all the links. You guys are multitasking. Screenshot this, come back to it. Uh, give us a little tag on social if you're a TikToker. Let us know that you heard Dr. Joe today. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciated everything that you shared. Thank you so much for listening to The End in Mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.